One of Southeast Raleigh Table's core values is that we believe in the power of prayer. Ajwa's words have power as they wash over us. Today, I want to do a deep dive into what prayer means. As we consider what it means to be prayerful, prayer hyphen F-U-L-L. As I read today's scripture passage, I invite you to settle into your habit body for prayer. By this, I mean tuning in to how you are engaging in prayer. Are you focusing on your breath? Are you moved to stand or kneel? Do you place your hands on your heart? Our scripture today, Luke 11, 1 through 10, focuses on prayer, specifically how to pray. So let us find this habit body for prayer as we let the words of our God wash over us. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now before I begin this reflection, I want to offer up a small side note. As Lisa named in our service last week, we have the joy of worshiping in community. And not one person has to carry the weight of the worshiping experience. In this same line of thought, I had the joy of writing this sermon in community. I was accompanied by the words of Dame Carol Ann Duffy, Anne Lamont, Edward Hayes, Howard Thurman, and even a fellow seminary student. Their words were a great inspiration to me as I wrote this, and I rejoice that I can share them with you in this space. Now I imagine the words of this passage are familiar to many of us. If you have grown up in the church, you know the Lord's Prayer well. The words just roll off your tongue. For those new to the church, this might be one of the first Christian prayers you heard. It's read in almost every denomination every Sunday, even if Methodists and Presbyterians quibble over debts versus trespasses. <laughs> this is a most well-known Christian prayer for good reason. It is the prayer that Jesus taught us. Even in our liturgical language at many churches, we introduce it by saying, 
Let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. However, I don't know if we're quite as familiar with the second half of the story, the part in which Jesus compares prayer to a friend knocking on someone's door. The subheading for this passage is perseverance in prayer, suggesting that Jesus is speaking to the time and energy one should devote to prayer. This might be how you've heard this passage preached before, or how you have even yourself interpreted this part. Through consistent and perseverant prayer, one has power. It is passages like these that can lead to some interesting theological thoughts. I want to pause here and ask, what were your first experiences praying? How did you first conceptualize prayer? Let's take a moment and think. Perhaps some of you prayed the infamous prayer that goes, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray, my, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I just wanna say, a little creepy, just a little creepy. <laughs> or perhaps you are like a childhood friend of mine who would not pray on Sundays because God's inbox was too full. In my own life, my prayers as a child tended to be a bit long. <laughs> my mother jokes that she and my father would fight over who had to sit with me as I prayed <laughs> because I felt like I had to pray for every single person I knew. A bit long. I remember thinking that if I left someone out, something terrible would happen to them. Or that if I prayed five minutes less, I was telling God that he wasn't worth those five minutes. I won't lie, I think passages such as this one can contribute to difficult and even toxic understandings of prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Pretty simple, right? As if prayer could ever be that simple. This passage presents it as formulaic. If you just ask hard enough, obviously God will grant it. Now when I first read this passage, I thought of one of the church members at my home church when I visited her at an apartment in a nursing facility. She talked about how she felt overwhelmed with prayer. So many of her neighbors and friends were facing dire situations, waiting for scary test results, facing the death of their own partner or their own death. Situations that clearly warranted prayer. I remember her telling me this, and you could just sense the guilt in her voice as she told me, as she confessed. The words I offered to her are the words I want us to consider today. In the poem entitled Prayer, Carol Ann Duffy begins with this line, Some days, although we cannot pray, the prayer utters itself. Some days, although we cannot pray, a prayer utters itself. I think this poem pushes us to consider how prayer is not only the conventional ways in which we have been taught to pray. And by conventional, I mean thinking that prayer only happens between dear God and amen. When we think in such a way, we begin to believe that God must be invited into our moments of prayer. As our grounding moment named, God is already here. God is in every single thing we do. 
God surrounds us. Author Edward Hayes, in his book, Pray Always, spelled A-L-L space W-A-Y-S, names that prayer of the centuries has meant to engage in vocal or in silent prayers. We envision unceasing prayer as a practice done only by monks in secluded communities, an impossible task, I think, for many of us. <laughs> Hayes continues by stating that surely Jesus has not called all his followers to abandon all other activities of family, life, and work to continually and solely engage in rhythms of prayer. What Jesus does call us to is a life lived in communion with him and with his Father. The living communion is itself a prayer, a prayer which permeates all we engage in. I do want to pause here and acknowledge that prayer is often a yes and situation. By saying this, I mean that there can be two different realities, truths, and narratives that can exist within one situation. I want to point out that there are many prayer warriors in this congregation whose prayer life I think even John Wesley himself would envy. <laughs> but as Lisa named in her sermon last week, we can experience seasons of spiritual dryness in which words do not come to our mind or tongue that can feel impossible to turn to God in a time of prayer. But I think this passage can point us to some outside-of-the-box answers. As I have named, it does speak to a very specific way of praying. Jesus literally gives us words. But the story does not end there. We have this fun perseverance in prayer section. Now I'm going to let you in on a little seminary secret. Believe it or not, subheadings were not part of the original Greek text. <laughs> While they can often be helpful in our reading of scripture, I think they can also sometimes limit our interpretation, limit our imagination of the text. This text does name the power of continual prayer. And it also speaks to the importance of unconventional prayer. The message translates verse 9 in this way. Ask, and you'll get. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will open. What really strikes me about this translation is that these words are not passive words. They are active. Seek and knock involve movement. They push beyond words. I want to invite us to consider how actions we do every day can be prayerful. And by this, I mean full of prayers. Now, one of my roommates is an incredibly talented artist and was the selected artist for the Duke Chapel this year. Her art exhibit, entitled Communion of Saints, was a series of 24 prints of both saints and current figures at Duke Divinity School. She utilized Duke's laser to make these prints and told me that as the laser carved these prints, she was praying for these people. As she painted them, she was praying for them. As she framed them, hung them up on the wall, she was praying for them. Hearing my friend discuss this pushed me to consider how I can embody this prayerful practice in my own life. While I am certainly no artist, 
I am a baker. <laughs> when I journey with someone through a season of celebration or grief, I often bring cookies. <laughs> it was not until I talked to my roommate that I began to recognize my own baking as a prayer. While I'm not necessarily saying a prayer to God, I am creating a space in which I hold this person in my heart. When I made cookies for my brother's birthday, he was in my heart. As I cracked the eggs, I thought of the ways in which he has embraced life over his 27 years. As I measured the flour, I thought of what I hoped his 28th year would bring. And throughout every moment, I felt God. Anne Lamott describes prayer as a communication between us and the greatest mystery. As I baked, I felt this communication between God and I, as I held this space. When I run, I hold prayerful space for my body. I thank my bo body by recognizing that I can do hard things. Every time my feet land on the pavement, I am reminded of the miracle that is my body. When I garden, as my hands dig into the earth, I remember the gift of God's creation and are called to steward the earth. One of my summer tasks at Southeast Raleigh Table has been writing love notes to various members of our community. I may not have met everyone I wrote to, and I might not before the summer ends, but they were held in my heart. As I wrote those notes, as I addressed them, as I put the stamps on, walked the P.O. box, I was praying for them. When I wrote this sermon, I was praying. All of these actions feel full of prayer, not because I was speaking words to God, but because I was communicating with the presence of God in the actions I was doing. And it changed me. It can sometimes be difficult to see the results of prayer, especially because we don't know it's as simple as ask and you'll receive. It can be difficult to see results of prayer when we know no words have been spoken. But Anne Lamont also help, offers up some helpful framework for this. She writes that a walk is a great prayer, that to make eye contact and smile is a kind of prayer, and it changes you. This is a power of prayer. I might not have the ability to ensure that my brother has a great 28th year of life, or that my running pace time increases, or that the drastic effects of climate change pause. But I do have the ability to hold space for the presence of God, which reminds me that all of these things don't sit with me. They sit with a God in which the impossible becomes possible. And that reminder changes me. Now last Wednesday, I was sitting at my favorite coffee shop procrastinating on sermon writing when one of my classmates sat down next to me. He asked me about my sermon and then shared some words by a German theologian whose name I could never pronounce. This theologian highlights how God created us with a word. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image. Because God made us with a word, anything we do is a response to that word making our very being a form of prayer. Driving your children to summer camp is a prayer. 
chatting with your elderly parents on the phone is a prayer. Mowing the grass is a prayer. Singing to Lizzo in the car is a prayer. Recognizing the prayer in everything we do is not always easy, but we can begin by rooting ourselves in this passage once again, particularly in the action words of verse nine. Ask, seek, and knock. We have already begun to ask what prayer is, as the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Let us receive a wider imagination of prayer, a unique way in which to engage in communication with God. In the words of Howard Thurman, let us seek a mood of reverence so that we might find a greater receptivity to the ways in which God moves through all that surrounds us. And let us have the shameless audacity to knock on all the doors of our life, our family, our work, our busy times and rest times, our joys and grief, our hobbies and chores, so that we may open the doors to the ways in which God is always present with us. Amen.